Are y'all ready to be blessed today? Yeah? I hope you're ready to be blessed today. Y'all almost sounded like Eastgate Church. Are y'all ready to be blessed today? There we go. There we go. We have a very special guest speaker with us today. And uh, if you haven't gotten the opportunity to get to know her, you're missing out. She is she's a contagious personality. And uh, she just shines the light and the love of God. Even on the bad days, she still got some glow in her eyes. And I think that's absolutely amazing. Uh, her husband, Jamie, brought the word this past Sunday in my absence. And I just want to say again publicly, Jamie, you did a phenomenal job on very short notice. Thank you so much for bringing the word. Uh, you'll be happy to know that your pastor has received an excellent health report from all the doctors this week. Uh, so a little more testing going on with me, but everything looks great. And uh, I appreciate your prayers and your support. So that's good stuff. It really is. Um, my, my stance is this. We're just waiting for the doctors to catch up with what God's already done in my body. You know what I'm saying? So that's what we're going to do. We'll give them a moment. They got to make sure those degrees were worth it. So, <laughs> But it's my privilege to, uh, to introduce this lady. I can't wait for the word. And uh, if y'all would please show some love for this lady bringing the word for the first time at Eastgate Church. Miss Lauren Wireman, please come on up here and bring the word. You're awesome. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Good morning, everyone. All right. Y'all know I love to tell stories. I do. My grandma, when I was a kid, uh, I would just, she had a rocking chair and I'd always sit on the floor and be like, tell me another one, tell me another one. And I remember sitting there thinking, man, when I grow up, I hope I could tell stories like my grandma. And my kids now are like, tell another one, tell another one. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, thanks for being here this morning. Uh, I'll give you a very fast version of my testimony and then we'll tell two stories and then we're gonna get into the word. Uh, so I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I had a really good childhood. I had a good family. Um, when I turned about 15 years old, I started struggling with uh, panic attacks. And um, they took me to the doctors and they didn't really know, you know what to do. They tried me on a bunch of different medications. Um, anybody who's experienced panic attacks, Shortly after that, depression usually follows because you can't go out and do stuff because you like have panic attacks. So you end up staying home a lot and getting depressed. So then it was depression. Um, they kept medicating me and trying this and trying that. And then they were like, oh, we think you're bipolar. And it was a mess. I ended up uh, eventually kind of self-medicating, getting into drugs and stuff like that. Um, when it came to what I wanted to be when I grew up, it was like, I don't know. I mean, I was good at math and art, and I didn't want to be an architect. And so I was like, what else is there? I don't know. It's kind of a weird combination. And so um, I went to college uh, to become an art teacher. I was like, OK, that could work. But I hated it. I mean, I hate it. I couldn't sit through class. And I thought when you got to college, you got to actually do classes that, like, you know, went with what you were studying. So I was like, oh, like, this will be great. Like, I'll learn how to teach art and I'll do art all day. But no, you have to go to history and you have to go to English. And I was like, what is this crap? So I did not like college at all. Um, my GPA was like a 0 0.9 <laughs> uh, because I just never went to class. Like, and my parents were ready to kill me. So um, I got back and they were like, what are you going to do with your life? And I was like, I don't know. And so I called my friends from college and they were like, you should go to beauty school. And I was like, okay. So like five days later, I was in beauty school and I was like, oh, this is awesome. You get to play with giant Barbie heads all day. Like I want to be a beauty school teacher. Like that's what's up. So um, anyway, uh, I, I graduated beauty school. I was high through most of it, just being honest. Like I was definitely high. 
Um, I had a boyfriend that died shortly after that, and it just sent me into a downward spiral, and that was when I started doing heroin. So um, I became addicted to heroin. Um, I was using it uh, with a needle and um, eventually became addicted to crack cocaine, and I was completely homeless. I lost everything that I had at that point. I was still pretty young. I mean, I was like 21, but I was trying to get on my feet and um, lost everything, even my car. I was like prostituting my car. I was like the pimp of my car. I was like, okay, I'm gonna use my car to drive the drug dealers into downtown Pittsburgh to get the crack. And then, so yeah, like I started transporting drug dealers back and forth, and they would give me drugs and put gas in my car. I was like, this is great. Till one day, um, somebody took my car and totaled it, and then all that was left to do was prostitute. So I did that for a while, wasn't fun. Um, my parents ended up dumping me at a homeless shelter, and um, they were like, give your life to Jesus. This lady named Priscilla, I called her the crazy Jesus lady, would chase me around. I hated her. And um, <laughs> I remember my parents being like, so how, how do you like this place? And I was like, it'd be fine if they didn't do all this Jesus stuff. So um, they, uh, I, Priscilla, man, she just drove me crazy. And I was like, I know, I'm gonna sabotage her Bible study. So I learned as much as I could about the armor of God, because that's what she was teaching on. And I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yell out the answer before anyone else. Obviously, it kind of backfired on me. So anyway, uh, one day, I was raised Catholic, so like one day she brought in her oil, and she was like, I'm gonna anoint y'all with oil, and I was like, ooh, because I've never like been anointed with oil. I, I remember Ash Wednesday where they put the stuff on your head, so I was like, cool. So I got in line, and she anointed me with her oil, and um, I ended up, like, everything in my life was wrecked at that point. Um, I thought, like, I probably have an STD. Um, my parents weren't really talking to me. My car was totaled, and it was impounded and racking up a fee of, like, $15 a day in storage fees. Um, obviously, I had no job. Uh, I lost everything I had, so I really had nothing left of my life. And all I could hear in the back of my mind was, why don't you pray about it? Why don't you pray about it? Give your life to Jesus. And I was like, you know, maybe it'll be like Sister Act. Because, like, I like arts and crafts, and I could kind of sing, and I would probably be a really cool nun. So I was like, if that's what it's like when you give your life to Jesus, like, I think I might do it. And so um, I prayed, and I was, <laughs> I know, it's so silly. I'm like, I got saved because of the sister act. <laughs> but really, seriously, though, <laughs> um, there was just something about that. I don't know. And so I prayed, and I was like, God, um, how come every time I try to get my life together, it falls apart? Um, I guess I'll let you be in charge of it and just see what happens. And um, I remembered this lady who shared a testimony about scotch, and uh, she had asked God, you know, like very boldly to, to reveal himself to her and to do something, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna ask God to just like change my attitude because I was having the worst day ever. And I was like, and when I walk in the door, I want a new attitude. And I was like, all right, over and out. And I, I walked in, and like nothing happened. And I was like, well, that was stupid, you know? <laughs> um, and so probably an hour passed uh, after I prayed that. And all of a sudden, I was sitting on the floor folding handkerchiefs. This is like in the back of a thrift store. And this sensation came over me. And I mean, I've done every drug, all of them. And I had never felt anything like this. And I knew it was God. Like, I knew immediately that it was God. And it was so overwhelming to feel God's love and presence that, like, I was, like, laughing and crying and rolling around. And the other people that lived at the shelter were like, what's she on? Give me some of that. <laughs> because they thought I was, like, high and going out of my mind. But, I mean, it was really, it was incredible. And I knew at that moment that God had done something so awesome in my life. And I ran back to the crazy Jesus lady. And I was like, oh, what do I do now, you know? And uh, 
I, I ran into a little bit of trouble right after that because she was like, now the devil's going to attack you. And I was like, what? Now it's turned into the water boy. We went from sister act to the water boy. <laughs> like, it's the devil. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now I'm like, all right, whatever. And then let me tell you, like the stuff that happened was so bizarre, crazy. I ran right back to her and I was like, okay, the devil's attacking me. I believe you, what do I do? And she's like, pray about it. She's like, the battle's not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. And she took me out to her car. This is kind of funny. Hold on, let me get a sip. She took me out to her car and we sat in her car and she's like, all right, let's pray about it. And she held my hand and she was like, dear Lord, we just lift all these problems up to you. We know you're so good, and we know you're going to take care of it. In Jesus' name, amen. And I was like, that's not going to work. <laughs> like, I was raised Catholic, you know, so I'm, like, thinking, like, what the, that, like, that prayer ain't going to work at all, you know? Like, that was so short and simple. And so, anyway, it worked, though. It worked. Every one of those problems, like, instantly just evaporated. It was crazy. So, anyway. Uh, that was really my first experience with prayer, other than learning how to say the Hail Mary and Our Father. And um, so for me, that was kind of all I knew about it. So later on, uh, I was talking to my Aunt Cindy. She's a Christian. And um, like, I remember telling her what happened to me, and she was like, Lauren, you don't know how many years I've prayed for you. And I remember thinking like, man, that, that's like grown-up stuff. Because I was so young and selfish, I couldn't even imagine praying for somebody like in a dedicated way. I just always thought that was like the craziest thing. You'd have to have so much discipline to pray like that. Um, like she had her own kids to worry about and all her stuff going on, but to know that she had brought that before God and then God did what he did in my life, it was like really cool, but I always thought like, man, I could never do that. Like I, that's, that's like, oof. You know, thinking about these little ladies just praying and stuff. And then a little bit later on from there, um, I was uh, in jail. I wasn't, I was visiting. I was in the visitor section of the jail. <laughs> but, um, and it's so funny. So I was there visiting my friend, and there was this, this really cute lady, and there was just something about her. She sat across from me in the waiting room, and I was like, I really like your shoes. And we started talking. We were actually there to visit the same person. And so now to this day, we're always like, we met in jail. <laughs> <laughs> we really did. Um, come to find out, um, you know, I, had, I was kind of connected to her. I, my uh, boyfriend that I had in high school was good friends with her son. So I'd actually been to her house when I was a teenager. And um, yeah, it was, it was neat. Uh, she allowed me to, when I moved out of the shelter, to eventually move in underneath her house. And she was amazing. And she too prayed for me all the time. And I always, again, I was like, man, she's got like her own kids and her own stuff. And to think that she takes the time, it's just crazy to think that, that she takes the time to pray for me. When I lived in the homeless shelter, I got this book. It was like a little book, because I don't like to read, called The Prayer of Jabez. And so that was the first thing I'd really got. And I remember reading it. And I was like, well, this is kind of easy to remember. So it's in the Bible. And it's like, um, you know, he prays, God, that you would bless me, enlarge my territory, speak through me, and keep me from evil, that I wouldn't cause pain to other people. So I started just praying that. I was like, I could handle that. I got the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Prayer of Jabez. And so I would be in the homeless shelter, <laughs> because that was like really like, I, I was like, I need some structure here. Like, okay, but I like the Prayer of Jabez, because it was different, and it was cool. And so I started praying that. And um, so this is, okay, here's, that was my testimony. Here's story number one. This is so, so funny. Um, they told me that there was this scripture in the Bible that said that, like, if you ask God for something, and, like, he wants you to, to have it too, like, you can ask for anything in Jesus' name, like, and he will give it to you. And I was like, ooh, but, you know, like, you can't ask for crazy stuff, right? So I was like, hmm, what would God, like, want me to have that I also want to have that would be something that would glorify him? I had started going to Bible college at this point, and every time they did worship, like, there were no instruments, there were no words. Literally, someone would come up to the front and just start worshiping, and we would all follow. And what I would do is, like, I noticed I started, like, beating stuff. 
like a drummer, you know, and we would worship. And I thought, that's what I'm going to ask God for. I'm going to ask God to give me a drum. And I, I, was, I was still homeless, living at the homeless shelter at this time. I was going to probably five different churches for all of these. Like I went to Alpha at the Baptist church, and I went to the Vineyard church for this, like, women of whatever, and and I was like, we had to go to church twice on Sunday, we had to go to chapel and here, there, and everywhere, so I was attached, and then they would let me go to church instead of going to AA or NA meetings, which was awesome, so I was somewhere with Christians all the time, and so everywhere I go, you know how when Pastor Josh was up here before church, and he was like, if you have a prayer request, like, write it on the card, that was me everywhere, and I was like, okay, I'm praying for God to give me a drum, and I would write it, and I would turn it in, and one of the pastor's wives was like, no, 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 you can't just ask God for any drum, you need a jambe. I'm like, what's a jambe? And she's like, listen, just trust me, you need a jambe, okay? So start praying specifically for a jambe. I'm like, all right, whatever. So every Bible study, every church knew me as the girl from the homeless shelter that was asking God for a jambe. Like I became famous. Because like at every prayer request, right? So I had no money, I had nothing, and um, I didn't know how God was gonna do this, but suddenly I got a check, like an income tax return that I wasn't expecting, it was for like 100 bucks. And so I got that, and I was like, what do I do with this? So I went and cashed it and stashed it, because you can't like leave your money around at a homeless shelter, you gotta keep it in the bra if you're a girl. So anyway, I was walking around with this money, like collecting it in my bra, you know? And um, then these women from, I don't know, some like women's Bible study group, something, came to pick me up to take me to Pittsburgh because there was some conference and they wanted to come pick up the girl asking God for the jambe. So anyway, they came and got me and took me. When they dropped me back off, they gave me like $30, which I was like, who's crazy enough to give a crackhead $30? (laughs) Like seriously, it was like crazy to me that they would give me $30 when I'm in a homeless shelter for drugs. But I was like, oh, that had to be God. So stash it. And I'm like, I was in the car with my friend on our, we were on our way to somewhere for church. And I remember saying to her like, I keep getting money, like, I I keep getting money, and I don't know if maybe God's trying to give me the money to get the jambe, but, like, I wouldn't even know where to get one. And she was like, girl, don't you know that there's an African store, like, literally two blocks from the homeless shelter? I was like, what? I was like, wait, 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 because we were right in the little town. I was like, stop the car. I jumped out of the car, and I literally ran. It was like a block away. And this was like a predominantly white area. It was not like, it was not a place where you would, where there would be an African store. It was just so bizarre. So I ran there. Sure enough, there it was. It was called Yandel's. And I'm like, this has been two blocks from me the whole time I've been living in the homeless shelter. I mean, I prostituted these streets. You'd think I would know them. Like, this was right where I was working. And I somehow had never seen this African store. So I walked in, and this really big African guy worked there. And I was like, do you have jambes? And he was like, yeah, we do. So he grabbed two of them, took them out front of the store, and he sat down and he showed me like how to hold it. And he was like, let me show you something. He's like, it makes three sounds, listen. And he was like, boom, that's the father. Boom, that's the son. And boom, that's the Holy Spirit. And I was like, (laughs) I just knew, like I knew that I was there and like God had just orchestrated this whole thing. And I could see the price tag just blowing in the wind, and it was like 200-some dollars, and I was like, uh. And so then I was like, how much is it? And he was like, well, he's like, it's $200, but I'll give it to you for 140. I was like, (laughs) pulled my sweaty boot money out as fast as I could. I was like, oh my gosh. So I got, and that thing must weigh like 30 pounds. I mean, it's like, I carried that thing all the way back to the homeless shelter. And um, my friend put these like straps on it so I could wear it like a backpack. And so I, and we had to walk everywhere. So I took it every, every Bible study, walked in with my jambe on my back. People would run by me and go bonk on the back of it. But like I became this girl who had asked God for the jambe and God had given it to me. It was so cool. So that was like the first time that like I had ever really prayed for something like out of the box because it wasn't one of those prayers that was like these systematic prayers. And I was like, wow, that's super cool. 
Okay, second story. Fast forward maybe six months, the crazy Jesus lady and I are now like BFFs, of course. And so she wants to take me to church with her. And she takes me to this like all black church. I was the only white person there, but I loved it. It was so much fun when we would go. And the preacher was, he kept on, his theme of his sermon was like suddenly, 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 suddenly. God moving suddenly. So we were on our way back to my parents' houses. At this point, I'd moved out of the shelter and I was temporarily living with my parents. My parents had purchased a home, a new house, but they didn't sell their original house first. And so for 14 months, their original house sat on the market and nobody bought it. So they'd been paying two mortgages, two sets of bills. I could tell my dad was getting super stressed about it. And when we were on the way home from church, I felt like God said to me, you need to pray for your parents' house to sell. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm gonna just tell Priscilla because I, I think I'm gonna check it out. So I was like, hey, Priscilla. And I was like, um, I think God told me that we need to pray for my parents' house to sell when we get there. And she's like, okay, girl, I got you, la, 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 you know. So we get to my parents' house. I'm like, this is going to be so awkward, okay? Because like six months ago, I was a crazy, like, crackhead drug addict. And now I'm going to be like, let us pray. I mean, it just was like, I was like, this is going to be so awkward, you know? <laughs> so... I get home and my mom was so excited because she was getting to meet the crazy Jesus lady, Priscilla. So she came running out and she's like, oh my gosh, you know, I heard so much about you. And then I see my dad come. He has like insulation in his hair and like a can of WD-40. And he's like, oh, you're Priscilla, so nice to meet you. And I was like, okay, we need to pray for the house to sell. And my mom was kind of, and my dad was like, looking at the can of WD-40, looking at me, looking at the WD-40. And I was like, just do it, dad, just do it. So anyway, we, we get in this circle and we all hold hands. And of course, like Priscilla prayed, cause I was like, I was like, okay, at least like initiated it, you know? And she was like, Father God, we just thank you for moving suddenly and blah, 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 blah. And Jesus, name, amen, did one of her short prayers, you know? <laughs> And so my mom's like, ooh, I felt the wind blow. And I was like, oh, she's an artist, okay? <laughs> so I was like, whatever. Um, I, uh, now, nobody had even been to see the house in like a month. Like it had no action. It was so dead. So I walk in the house to change. And I remember I have my dress like halfway over my head and the phone rings and I just freeze. And I'm like, and I hear my mom and she's like, and I'm like, so I'm like, oh my gosh. And I pull my dress back down and I run to the bottom of the steps and I look up and she's like, Lauren, your dad's on the phone with the realtor. Someone just made an offer on the house. And I was like, I told you, I told you. I was like, oh my gosh. So it was so amazing because my dad stood in the kitchen. Like my mom went running out the door. She's like, Priscilla, Priscilla, oh my gosh. Jeff's on the phone with the realtor. Somebody's making an offer on the house. Like, they couldn't believe it. But I'll never forget my dad. He was like, Coldwell Banker, 14 months. God, three minutes. <laughs> and I was like, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> ever since then, everybody loves to say that I have the direct line. <laughs> and... <laughs> I think it's just kind of funny because um, I don't think I have a direct line at all, to be honest. I think that God loves us and wants to do cool stuff like that. And I think we just don't ask him half the time because it's way more convenient to just run around in circles and scramble. Like, think about that. It's like our default to run around like a crazy person trying to solve all the problems ourselves. And the world we live in, especially here in the United States, makes it so easy to do that. Everything's at our fingertips all the time. And so this year, I'm not like a New Year's resolution girl, but I was like, I'm gonna try really hard this year to like purposefully seek God first when I have a problem, when I'm sick, no matter what it is, instead of scrambling and scrambling and scrambling and then being like, oh, maybe we should pray, I'm gonna just pray first and I'm gonna set my mind to be that way, okay? So, 
Yeah, amen, right? <laughs> like, it's stupid when you think about it. Like, he wants to help us with our problems. He wants to, and he loves you, and he wants to provide for you, and he tells us this all through his word. And it's just silly that we do this to ourselves. We're not meant to bear the weight of all of the stress that it causes to have all of those like problems piled up on us. It's just not even, we're not even designed physically to handle the amount of stress that we put on ourselves by not going to God and asking him. It's stupid. It's just so stupid. So um, I've been a worship leader for years and years and years. And um, what started happening, if you fast forward, like I got married, we adopted a teenager, it was really crazy, she was 17, people were like, wow, you're just going straight to expert level. <laughs> I was like, I guess. <laughs> um, so we've, we've followed God and done all kinds of crazy stuff in the meantime, but these past couple of years, um, I, I have always been a worship leader, married to Pastor Jamie, and um, I don't know, I, I, the last couple of years, I haven't had a place like in doing that necessarily. And I think like God, like stuff started happening. Um, my daughter met um, her husband, which was crazy, because I remember after we adopted her, so we'd had her for like maybe two weeks, she was 17 years old, it dawned on me that like one day, she's gonna have a husband. And then the mathematician was like, do, 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 do. And I was like, he's alive right now. Do, 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 do. Like, <laughs> I'm like, he exists. Because I'm like, oh, I'm 17, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, he, he exists. He's alive, he's somewhere doing something, who knows, but like he's actually on the earth somewhere right now. And he has no idea that he's gonna be her husband, and so, I need to pray for him. So I started praying for him, and it was so funny because um, I would wake up in the middle of the night sometimes with like such urgency to pray for him, and I didn't really know like what was going on, but like there were times where I would just pray. Like I thought he was doing drugs, okay? Like I thought he was a drug addict. The way that I was praying for him, I was like, this guy's doing dangerous stuff. Like he's he's like in danger a lot, and I would be just I would just wake up and pray for him. That was the first time I'd ever really prayed for somebody that I hadn't met before, so it was like a little weird. But um, I remember doing that. So anyway, fast forward, she met him finally, and when I found out about him, a lot of stuff made a lot of sense because he was actually a soldier so he was in danger a lot because he was like fighting a war and stuff <laughs> so I was like oh so it wasn't drugs but I knew that he wasn't gonna be some like church boy no offense to the church boys but I knew he wasn't gonna be some like churchy church boy and I knew that that was gonna be a good thing for her because she surely didn't need a churchy church boy she's got quite an incredible story and she's an incredible person so anyway, um, but I was like, oh, I'm gonna be a mother-in-law now. Like, this is exciting. And I was like, okay, what do I do as a mother-in-law? And I was like, there's gotta be a job description somewhere, you know? Like some Christian woman has written a book on like how to be a godly mother-in-law. No, maybe I need to write it. I don't know, but there's not one that really like, it's all about being the mom of the boy because they're the ones that are trouble, apparently, from what I did from my research on Google. Um, they're always the ones causing problems, supposedly. <laughs> my, I have a great mother-in-law, she's incredible, and I thank God, because I, I read some of these stories and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I'm looking up the job description for mother-in-law, and it's basically like, don't show up unannounced, don't give your opinion unless they ask for it, like, don't do this, don't do that. And I'm like, so what can you do? Like, this is a list of some what do not do. And they're basically like, there's two things that you really need to do. Number one is pray for them. And I'm like, oh, that is so boring. Like, pray for them, you know? Like, that's, I am not called to that. That's what I thought, right? So I was just like, I can pray for them, and then I also need to make them feel supported. And I'm like, how do you even do that? 
Like, what do you have to do? Like, ugh, I was so frustrated because I just wanted like, here's how to be the coolest, best mother-in-law ever. And I was like, I'm gonna check every box and there were no boxes and there was no cool mother-in-law list. And I was like, wow, this really sucks. Cause I was, I mean, I, it took me a few days to make peace with the fact that there's like so little to do when you're a mother-in-law. I was very disappointed. And so um, <laughs> then what happened, and this is where it all like rolls together, is I started getting this thing. I didn't even know what it was, but it's called a prayer burden. Has anybody in here ever had like an actual prayer burden for someone? It's crazy. And I didn't know like what was happening to me, but God would like wake me up in the, I mean, in the middle of the night to pray. It was for my future son-in-law. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And so it was like, I would pray and pray. And it was so God that it was like, before I could even finish getting out the sentence, I already had another thing to pray for him. And another thing, and like four hours would pass. It was insane. And so this started happening like more and more and more and more to the point where one day, I got up, like the sun hadn't even come up yet, and I ended, I started filling notebooks. Like it was crazy, I was like, I have like gone over the edge. I am officially a psychopath now. Like, this is crazy. Like I was like, this can't be normal. This can't be normal. I just remember being like, I think I pray for him more than I work. Like this cannot be normal. This can't be normal. And so finally, I got to the point where, because you know, when I first read the, the description about being a mother-in-law, I was like, rah, rah, pray for them. Rah. Now I'm like, okay, okay, God, okay. Because it was like, he would not leave me alone. And, and I just, I, I, I thought I was losing my mind. So finally I was like, all right, maybe it's time to actually learn about prayer and figure out like, what prayer is really supposed to be about and, and just everything about it. And so it took me to this place and I was like, okay, I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna get my Bible out and I'm gonna really try to understand what the Bible teaches about prayer at this point. So where I started was, and if you wanna turn, well, you can turn there, you can read it. I love the message version of this, it's so good. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 through 13, but read it in the message, because it's like one of those where it's like, ooh. So it says, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. I was like, mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Isn't that so true? Like, if you do these five steps, you can get what you want from God, you know? Um, and it says, don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply, like this. And then it goes into, like, the our father, which I think for so many years, I just blew through, like, hallowed be thy name. Like, what the heck does that mean? Hallowed be thy name. Um, your like, when I was praying this as a kid, your kingdom come, your will be done. I don't know what that means. You just, it was like stuff to recite. The only part I got was give us this day in our daily bread. I was like, okay, I like bread. <laughs> and I also knew what forgiveness was. So I was like, okay, I get the part about forgiving. But like beyond that, that was really all I understood about prayer. But at this point now looking at it, I'm like, this is Jesus literally teaching his disciples how to pray. And I'm like, oh, maybe I need to pump the brakes and like try to step into this and understand what he was actually teaching us about prayer, right? So after like a zillion years as a worship leader, this is literally, I think it's so funny the way God will grow us in different areas. And like he, he waited for some reason all the way until I became a mother-in-law um, to, to teach me like really about prayer and how to understand it. But it makes so much sense to me. The first thing he does is he says, our father 
who art in heaven, if you turn here, turn with me to uh, Luke 11:24. It's in there, it's good, it's like, you know, regular version, you don't need to look at it in the message version anymore, we'll just look at the, the old school one that you probably all have memorized. But when he says, hallowed be your name, hallowed means holy. So to say to God, holy is your name, and I'm like, oh, that's like leading worship. Like this is exactly what we do when we are worshiping God. You're like, you're pausing to take a moment to think about like, who is God? And this goes so deep when you, when you really pause here. I know it's like, hallowed be thy name, like four words, but this is a place where you can pause. And so this is the very first thing that Jesus teaches us how to do when we pray, is to stop and pause here and really think about who is God and what has he done in our life. This is so funny. I wrote this out and I call it mother's guide to prayer because my kids like I've had all these people like teach me how to pray and I'm like okay so anyway you pause here and you think about exactly what we did this morning thank God I have a car thank God I have a house thank God I woke up this morning thank God I have food to eat you know you see all these like self-help crap everywhere that's like, oh, have an attitude of gratitude. If you would just pray the way Jesus taught us to, like, it'd be easy. You'd have an attitude of gratitude every day because there's something about taking five minutes to stop on hallowed be thy name and actually think about who God is. Think about what he's done in your life. Think about the crazy jambe and selling my parents' house and like, the way that he changed me from being a crackhead to who I am now. He made me a wife, he made me a mother, I have a family, I have a business, like that's craziness. And then if you get stuck here and you can't think of anything, cause I called up when the prayer burden thing happened and I thought I was losing my crap, okay? I called my Aunt Cindy and I called Mama Mav. I called both of them to be like, what is happening to me? And my Aunt Cindy gave me the best advice. She said, because I told her like what I had figured out myself, and she was like, no, exactly. And when you're stuck on the hallowed be thy name part, jump over into Psalms. Like if you don't know where to start because you're just having a crappy day and you can't think of something to like be thankful for or whatever, she's like, just go into Psalms and pray the Psalms. So you can open up to a Psalm and literally it will just take you through and instantly you'll start being like, oh my gosh, yes, how did I forget that you did that? Did this in my life. You've protected me. You know, you've provided for me. There have been a lot of times where I didn't have a place to stay or sleep, and God always provided for me. So it's very easy. But it's exactly what we do in worship. Even if you just want to put on a song to get into the right mind frame, that first song that we sang today, um, Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. And when storms come and, and the wind blew and the rain came, my house was built on you. You are my firm foundation. And he never lets me down. I mean, it could be a song. So there's so many ways. I hate locking ourselves into these like, I'm gonna pray every day for 15 minutes. Because if you're like me, like, you know, I might do it twice. And then after that, I get too busy and then I beat myself up and then it leaves kind of a bad taste in my mouth. So instead of locking myself into some type of program, I know that when I pause on hallowed be thy name, I've got a lot of options here for what I'm gonna do and, and whatever I feel like I need to do that day, but it's so easy. The other thing that it does is it absolutely activates your faith. When you sit there, I mean, watch a YouTube video that's like the names of God. I mean, that would do it. Like to just stop and think about who God is and about, there's a scripture I found, it's um, Proverbs 21.1. I found it like four months ago. And it's rocked my world, really. Um, it says the king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. And I was like, hmm, because when I first, when my daughter and her husband were getting married, that morning I cracked open my Bible and I was praying, and God said to me, 
um, I know his name's Joshua, but he's not Joshua from the Bible. He's King Josiah. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know who King Josiah even was. So I was like, I'll figure that out later. But I was like, I'm going to put that in my pocket and move on with my day. So anyway, um, but when I saw this, I was praying for my son-in-law. And so when I saw this in particular and I saw how it says a king's heart, I was like, huh. But I read a commentary on it and it was like, man, God can literally, think about a king as the most powerful person with all the power, right? And God can take their heart and literally turn it any way he wants. And it was like, think about what happened with Herod in the Bible. Think about what happened with Jesus when they were like, should I crucify him? Should I just let him go? Get Barabbas? Like whatever, all this crazy stuff. God can take this king's heart, and if he can do that with a king, he can do that with anyone. And I know he can, because I watched him change. Like, the narcissist. I really believe that if God wanted to take a narcissist, a true narcissist, and absolutely transform them, that he would and he could, and he can. I, I mean, I really believe it. I think that would probably be the hardest. I'm like, if I had to list it on a scale from 1 to 10, I think a narcissist would be even harder than a drug addict. But just saying, I think that God can really do it. I know any of you who deal with a narcissist, God bless you. Um, but this makes me feel like I could run through a brick wall. It makes me feel so bold when I then go into the actual prayer part. So there's something, it's like your faith gets activated and it unlocks your ability to pray the way God wants you to pray with the faith that you need to be able to pray, okay, and to continue. After that, we get to this section. So it says, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm like, well, what does this even mean? Well, if you get into scripture and actually look, we are... And I, um, I apologize in advance because I'm going to ruin this for some of you. <laughs> it's like when you see the word and actually understand it, then you get convicted. But if you don't do it, you're in trouble. Um, but <laughs> Matthew 9.38 tells us to pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into its fields. Are we doing that? Like, are you doing that? Are you praying for that? Because he's telling us to, Right. Um, there's another one, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. It says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority. Are we praying for leaders? Like, are you? Are you praying for leaders? Okay. So these are, and this isn't just like people who are called to prayer. If you are a Christian, these, it's like Christianity 101. You are called to pray. Jesus teaches you how to pray, and these are the things that you're supposed to be praying for. He models it right here when he does the Our Father, like literally. So we start with, hallowed be thy name. Then we're going to pray for his kingdom to come and his will be done. What does that look like? We're praying for God to be glorified on the earth. We're praying for him to move. We're praying for our leaders. We're praying for drug addicts. We're praying for missionaries and evangelists that are setting up teen challenges in China underground. I mean, and the thing that I've noticed about praying for these things is if you don't know somebody, ask God and he will send you somebody to pray for. Um, I felt like when I would pray for missions, I was kind of at a loss, and then I met these missionaries that are setting up teen challenges in China underground, and I was like, okay, now I know who I'm going to pray for and how I'm going to pray. Um, drug addicts. I could pray for drug addicts all day, and I mean, I don't know about you and what you've been through in life, but Orphans. I could pray for orphans all day. I adopted a bunch of them. Um, so I, I definitely know, you know, what they're going through. Widows, all of those people. These are the things that we're supposed to be first and foremost praying for before we get to the part where it says, give us this day our daily bread. That's the part where you ask God for all the crazy stuff you want to ask him for. Okay, so first and foremost, we magnify God and who he is. Next, we do what we're supposed to do as Christians, and we pray for these things that God has specifically told us to pray for, and it doesn't take that long, okay? And then we start asking God for stuff. 
I always just ask God for stuff all the time, and that was how I thought we were supposed to pray. But in reality, this, I don't want to even call it a formula because it's not that like formula-ish. It's just the way Jesus taught us how to do it. And so then after that, um, the weak leaders, workers for the harvest, God's kingdom to come, um, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, lead us not into temptation, it's all stuff for like me, 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 and then to help us to forgive others as we've been forgiven, which is super important, including ourselves. Forgiving ourselves is so huge. So my husband was like, what are you going to call your sermon? You should call it prayer. And I was like, ew. If I call it prayer, like everybody's going to be zoned out before I even lift this microphone to my mouth. <laughs> like I, I refuse to call it prayer because for me, I don't know. I always looked at prayer like I looked at fasting. You're like, oh, not that. <laughs> like, don't ask me to pray. I don't like praying. And I always thought of prayer as being something like just so boring and torturous. But what I found is when you do this, when you magnify God, when you pray for the things he asks you to pray for, and then you pray for yourself, you get to the same place, and this was so exciting for me as a worship leader, you get to that same like holy of holies that you get to when you lead worship. You get all the way there. So now I've figured out that I can access God's presence through worship, but I can also access God's presence through prayer the same way, and I can get to the same place that I get to when I worship by praying. And that was so huge for me, and it was so exciting. And when I get in these times of prayer, it's like God speaks to me. I can open up. Then I'm like, I want to get into the word. Like, this is great. It's like you're feeling all groovy and stuff, and you're like, okay, now I'm going to bust out my Bible. And then get your Bible out, and you can really hear God's voice, and it's so incredible. So that is really what I wanted to share with you today. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. Um, but I really felt so burdened to just say, I think that a lot of us need to take another look at praying. Because it doesn't need to be a boring chore or a task. It's actually really fun partnering with God in what he's trying to bring forth on the earth. It's like sneaky. I feel like a secret agent because I'm like in my bathroom praying. And then my, my daughter will tell me something that happened and I'm like, <laughs> um, because I've been like, you know, praying for these things. And then when things happen, you're not even surprised. You're like, I knew God was gonna do that. Because you've been praying and you've been listening to God and, and like helping. You really are just partnering with Jesus to bring forth these things. And it's such a cool position to be in. And I had no idea that it was like that till just like, you know, this last couple of years. And it's been such a blessing um, to be able to access his presence through this other way. And so I really urge you, like, take a look at your prayer life because it doesn't have to be so like saltine crackers. Um, it, it's really an incredible place. And even my aunt and Mama Mav, when I told them what was happening to me, they were like, oh my gosh. They were so excited. They were like, it's like being in like a club. Like I've now been initiated into like the old praying mother's club. <laughs> and it's nothing like I thought it would be. <laughs> but I'm like, that's me now. Like I just sit there praying for my children all day because there's nothing else I can do, which is like, you know, 75% accurate. Um, <laughs> so listen, um, if you're here, I know that's a lot to unload. Um, and, and it's, I mean, it's so simple though. Isn't it simple? It's really simple. But for some reason, we just steamroll through stuff. So if you're here today um, and you really haven't given God the chance to be first, like if you're running in circles around and around and around, yeah, come up here and play something. Thanks. Um, if you're, <laughs> I'm usually the one doing that. That's so funny. Um, but if you're here and you found that you're just running 
around in circles rather than seeking God first. And if you're here and you have been running your life into the ground, <laughs> like I did for a very long time, um, or if you've just looked at prayer as something that, uh, you know, is boring, then what you really need to do is tell God you're sorry. It's called repenting. Uh, sometimes I think we don't do it enough. Um, but I think you might need to have a conversation with God about it. And this altar here is open. This is like a place you don't have to like, not everything happens at the altar at church. I got filled with the Holy Spirit in the homeless shelter in my room, like on sitting on my bed. I was like, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like all these people, they'd be like, now when we go to this church, they're going to speak in tongues. I'm like, what is that? And they're like, it's like a prayer language between you and God. And I was like, I want that. That's cool. And so anyway, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember I called my aunt. And I was like, Aunt Cindy, guess what? I got my prayer language. And I was like, hello? Because <laughs> she's like Presbyterian or something. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I was like, oh, that's when I realized there's different denominations and stuff. I was like, oh, okay, so like, but okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, I know God wants that stuff for us. And I know God wants us. God doesn't set us up for failure. Like, he doesn't say, like, please, can you please do me a favor and pray for the harvest and pray for workers and pray for missionaries and evangelists and pray for the weak just so that you can, like, not do it and then feel guilty and beat yourself up. He wants you to do it. If it's something that he wants for you to do, if you just ask him to help you do it, then maybe you would be more compelled to do it more often, even if it's just when you're driving in your car. Every time I pray, I finish my prayer with God, please give me the desire to come back tomorrow to this place and pray again. I never stop praying. I always ask God in advance. I'm like, so I'm just going to ask for tomorrow now while I have your attention. <laughs> if you would please give me a desire to come back to this place tomorrow. Help me make it a priority. Help me put it on my schedule. So if that's you today and you're feeling like this area maybe needs a little growth or a little work or you're just wanting a fresh outlook on it i urge you please to come up here get i don't care you want to kneel down where you are whatever you want to do but i really ask that you would take a moment um if you want me to pray with you for something i totally will uh but if you want to come up to the altar whatever you want to do but let's just take a moment and just talk to god about stuff